The City Life app enables you to listen to Sunday messages and even explore the Bible while listening. Stay up to date with church life through our Connect section and much more. Download the City Life app today. Welcome to the City Life podcast. Our desire is to make Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. All right. Hey, guys, why don't you go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat and grab your Bibles, Bible apps, get a notebook out, write some stuff down. I really want you to take some notes today. Open it up to Luke chapter 9, verse 12. Luke 9, 12. Easy to remember. 9 comes before 12, right? All right. Luke chapter 9, verse 12 in your Bibles, Bible apps. Get your notes. You know, I love being a Texan. I, I know I love being a Texan because... I actually did something horrible once. Well, I mean, I felt it was God telling me to do it, but I left Texas for a while. But I'll just tell you what, I came back home. I came back home. But, but I, was in, I was in the Kansas City, Missouri area pastoring for about nine years. And, and uh, it's, you know, I thought, well, it's close enough to Texas, but no, no, it's, it's very different. But, and if you're from Kansas City, I love you and everything. I just, I'm not going back. All right, I'm here. All right. <laughs> But, uh, but one of the things I just thought was really interesting about that area is farming is a huge part of the economy. Uh, around here, you know, it's ranching, oil, and, all, and oil, and oil, and gas, and, and ranching. Uh, but, uh, but, but farming was a huge part of it, and there were two really, really important times that I found would happen. One was planting, which was sowing of the seed, and the other, the other time was harvest and reaping. And, and those were really important times. And see, what would happen was one seed could produce like thousands of the same kind, thousands of, oh, you know, one little corn seed makes thousands of other corns of various types, and soybeans, those are the two that they tend to, to grow up there quite a bit, and, but, but the amount of the harvest multiplication was actually dependent upon good seed, seed sown at the right time, rain, which is all God's business, you know, there was no irrigation, it was just all rain, and then harvest. And so those th- when those four things came together, it was a formula for success. And, but those same principles are in today's message, and, uh, and I'm excited to share it with you. Now, hey, let me just throw this out to you. If God were to multiply your resources, would that be okay with you? Yeah, I, I think so too. All right, get your Bibles open. Luke chapter 9, verse 12. I want to tell you a a uh, cool story. This happened in the Bible with Jesus and his disciples. And uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 12. Uh, let's take a, take a look at the very beginning. It says, late in the afternoon. So it was late, okay? This is, this is a long day had happened here. The 12, those are the disciples, came to Jesus and said, hey, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find some food and Maybe, you know, uh, there might be a place where they can stay, some lodging or whatever, because we're in a very remote place right here. Okay, in other words, they had been there all day, all day. And Jesus had just continued preaching on and on and on and on. So here's what Jesus says. Jesus replied, well, you give them something to eat. I kind of like that because, because basically you know what Jesus is saying, oh, so you're concerned? Okay, then you take care of them. Go, go. <laughs> and, and look at it. It says, they answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. It says about 5,000 men were there, which could have been about 20,000 people, but 5,000, 20,000, regardless, it's a huge crowd. Who knows? 
But Jesus said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Okay, so all of a sudden God is Jesus. He is creating order. All right, that's important. So the disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Next thing that happened is Jesus blessed what was given, which is important. It says, he took the five loaves and two fish, looks up to heaven, gave thanks, and broke them. So basically, I know what he had. He had tortillas, you see, because Jesus would have been a good Texan just like me, you know? I, 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 you, it's kind of funny because I still have to make fun of people from Kansas City because I was there, I was there. But they were sometimes called jalapenos, jalapenos. No kidding. And I heard people call tortillas, tortillas. I want to just, just say... I wanted to put my cowboy boots on and my hat on, even though I don't have cowboy boots and a hat, and say, listen, man, that's not what it is, and uh, let, let my Latina wife uh, go crazy on him or something like that. But, but, you know, basically, it's, you know, he, he had five loaves, and so let's just say it would be five tortillas. And so what Jesus did is he blessed it, and then he broke it. So he, you know, he tore it, and all of a sudden, now there's 10, and of course, there's, uh, there's 12 disciples. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to do this a little extra here. So he had this much, this much, you know, this much that he was going to give out to the five to 20,000 people. Now, if we were to pass this around in here, everyone would get a little bite, a little nibble, right? Of course, you wouldn't do it because you know somebody else's fingers were on it. I know you guys, but, uh, but everyone would get a little nibble. But something amazing happened because Jesus broke it and then he gave it to the disciples. Okay, look, look at back to the scriptures. It says, then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. Basically what happened is they tore off a piece and it grew. I don't, it, it's a, it was a miracle of God. And they tore off another piece and it grew. I'm sure at first they were tearing off smaller pieces, but then by, you know, when it was later on, well, let's just give them a big chunk and let's give them another big chunk. And they kept feeding the people until everyone was full. It says, I, I, they kept handing out the tortillas. Okay, look at it, then it says, they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples then picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of tortillas. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be fun, Preston, to, to get and give those to people today? No, don't do that. Don't do that. And, and don't snack during church because I know you're half Mexican yourself. All right. But that was a crazy miracle. I, I really, I wish I could have been there uh, because God provided through this donation huge, massive multiplication. But here's, here's a really important question. Where did the multiplication happen? Jesus just blessed it and broke it. But it happened actually in the hands and through the hands of the disciples. That's actually pretty clear. It didn't happen in the hands of Jesus. This is, this is the central truth. God wants to multiply whatever is in your hands. In fact, that's part of even what we started with. I remember my first message here to this to when we started with just a few little people sitting in a little circle here and uh, it was what's in your hand you know because whatever you have in your hand God will use it mightily God wants to do that but, but, but you actually have to do something by faith to make it happen so today I'm talking about how it works financially and I'm talking about faith in regards to giving now in fact, I was listening to a non-Christian podcast just yesterday as I was at the gym, and it was so interesting because they were saying the happiest people, regardless of socioeconomic status, 
are the people who are generous givers. I think that's really interesting. And it's everywhere, not just in the U.S. But, okay, I, I understand this, though. I know there's a certain stigma uh, when it comes to talking about finances, uh, like pastors talking about it. There are thought processes which are due to isolated cases of financial mismanagement in churches, and that's happened. Uh, there, there may also be the notion that, well, all the church wants is your money. And, and I'll just be really clear today, I'm not going to try to change your mind on that. Uh, you, you're going to make up your own mind. I'm not going to try to tell you any different. Okay, but I do know this much. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, and I'll tell you what we do. Um, because we have made the choice since day one, we're going to be a Bible-based church. So take a deep breath, exhale, sit back, relax, and enjoy the message. It's not a show, all right? <laughs> because God just might show you something God may allow you to experience something you've never experienced before over the next few minutes. You see, because I believe in all the Bible, I also believe where the Bible tells us that you are not supposed to give financial offerings under compulsion. Did you know that's in the Bible? It is. We're supposed to not, so if you feel your arm being twisted to give an offering, you don't. Hear that? I'm preaching. Okay, that's, that's how I'm starting the message. Is that okay? Does that help you to breathe better? therapy here. <laughs> See, we give by faith, not by arm twisting. I, I'm a pastor, and I do what I do because of the calling of God on my life and because I love you, but I also want you to walk in blessing. And I've seen so many in our church begin to walk in blessing. Now, from the story we just read, there are some principles of what I call multiplication, and I, and I really want you to get these down. Please jot these down. The first principle is this, is that God blesses, excuse me, God multiplies what is blessed. Now, what if the disciples had given out the food without Jesus blessing it? Well, I believe it never would have been multiplied. I believe that. See, because it was actually the blessing of God, the blessing of Jesus that gave it the potential to multiply. And, and I know that there are a lot of people who, who like give a little here and a little there, but they never actually see their finances multiplied. It's because their, fi their finances as a whole are not blessed by Jesus. And, and, uh, and that's a reality. And sure, it may actually solve or help with a financial need or a request, but the giver is actually missing out on the bigger blessing. Because the Bible actually tells us very, very clearly the way that Jesus blesses our finances. And it's simply when we give the first 10% to the house of God, and then all the rest is now blessed. In other words, the rest has the potential to multiply. Okay, here's the second principle. God, first, God multiplies what is blessed. Second is God multiplies when we let go. Now, what if the disciples had taken the bread and thought, well, you know what, we were telling Jesus to get rid of these people, but we were actually the ones who were pretty hungry, and they just actually started eating it themselves. Well, nothing would have happened. There would have been no miracle, and, and, and a lot of people actually do that. They take for themselves the first 10%, and they, and, and they don't let go of it. Therefore, there's no multiplication. There's no seed multiplication because the seed was actually eaten. A farmer would never do that, but it happens quite often. And, uh, and I understand the temptation to do that. We all do. Next, another principle is this, is that God multiplies in a setting of order. Order is critical. In fact, it would be against the nature of God to bless something that's not in order. 
Honestly, that's why I believe every one of us should have a budget. We should eliminate debt. We should all have savings. And we also should have a plan for generosity. There are a lot of strategies out there to do that, and I encourage you to find that. But, But I'm telling you, if there is no plan in your life or in your family and you just kind of randomly spend what comes in, then let me ask you the question, why would God bless you with more? So that you can do more of the same, so you can get an upgrade of the upgrade of the upgrade, you know? Now, now I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with nice, nice things. I'm not against that. But if you have a constant drive to get more money than to see how much further you can extend your debt, then you're not going to see blessing because that's actually financial disorder. And so some of you, a big thing you're going to take out of today is to take a step of faith to bring structure and order to your finances and to sit down and just simply do it this week. Now, on a side note, uh, here at City Life, we have a church. We want our church to be blessed, and God has blessed us because we beat the odds, and, and, and we've just seen amazing things happen. So I'll never forget the first, first time we took up an offering. You know, it was like, uh, it was, I think, about $68, and, and, uh, and it takes about $6,000 to keep this building open for, for one month. And so, so all of a sudden, we have a little disparity. Okay, so what are we going to start selling on day one? Yeah, that was kind of it. But, but you see, God, God is blessed, and God continues to bless. But we have have a church stewardship philosophy. And I just want to share it with you real quick because it's important. I share this from time to time. Uh, It's basically three principles. One is we have a budget, income and expenses. We have this budget that's actually approved by our board and we live within the boundaries of it. Salaries are set by a board. I don't just take whatever I want. That doesn't work. That's not right. All right. And then interestingly, the thing is, is every single individual uh, expenditure through our church that's already set established in the budget then every single expenditure then has to be approved through what's called a purchase order and our staff goes purchase orders you know you guys know what I'm talking you can ask them about how much they love filling out purchase orders but it's simply financial wisdom it's accountability and it's order and we believe God blesses in those settings Please don't set up a purchase order system in your family. I think that's going a little far, but for a church, I think it's good, all right? Number two is we challenge to give scripturally, but we never manipulate. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to manipulate around here. I don't like feeling manipulated. I'm not going to say, okay, I'd like the next 15 people who are going to give $5,000 to stand up. You know, I won't do that, okay? If anyone comes in here and does that, I'll say, Stop. <laughs> I don't like getting manipulated. I don't like feeling under pressure like that or, or being compelled. But I do like to be challenged scripturally. And even though I tithe through automatic recurring debits, uh, I I love Sundays here because I I often give an extra offering above my tithes because, yeah, you know, I, I am compelled. I just feel it in my heart from the scriptures. Now, the third one is this. Third part of our philosophy is to be a giver. And it's both personally and corporately. So here's what that means. That means I tithe. I tithe and I give offerings about my tithe. The staff tithes, all the leaders in this church, we all tithe. And, but we also corporately, as a ministry, we give as well. We give to various missionaries and organizations. And about once a month, I stand up here and I, I share with you about yet another one of the ministries that City Life supports financially, and I tell you how they're doing and what their needs are. But, but see, giving is just like planting seeds. And it's a beautiful thing. See, Solomon said this. He said, a farmer that's too lazy to plant in the spring will have no harvest in the fall. So see, God 
wants to multiply your finances, but it always demands God's blessing. It demands letting go of our seed and, and bringing order to our own finances. In fact, God even warns us about a lack of generosity and tells us that, that, that really we need to avoid selfishness in every way and, and to sow our seed in response to God. See, it says this in the scriptures. It says, do not be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Now, now I want you to turn in your Bibles to a second location. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. It's the last book of the, the Old Testament just before you get to Matthew. Um, I, I want to show you one of the most talked about scriptures in the Bible regarding the principle of tithing. Now, now tithing is actually the foundation for generosity as a whole. It's the starting place, and it is biblical. It's in the Old Testament, and it's also in the New Testament. But I want to take this passage because it's really central, uh, and, and I want to take this and look at it one sentence at a time because I want you to get the full impact. A lot of times we don't really get the full impact of what a scripture is saying because we rush through it. And uh, I have a lot of scriptures I'm going to be sharing today, but some of them are just, I'm just going to give you a reference so you can look them up later. But, but Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it starts off like this. I, the Lord, do not change. Okay, God's now making it super clear he has never changed, and he will never change. There's not an Old Testament and a New Testament God, okay? And then he says, so you, so you, the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. A lot of people brush past that. Well, what does that mean? Well, in other words, God's saying, well, I haven't killed you because I'm a good God, and I, I was nice, and I am nice, and I'll always be nice, and so I want to just tell you about a challenge we have here, okay? That's what God is setting up. Now look at verse 7, it says, Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees. You may want to underline that word decrees, because I'm going to come back and talk to you about that word here in just a moment. You've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So, so God is just reminding his people that he never changes, that he's good, but there's this problem because generation after generation, people keep turning away from God's decrees. Then he goes on to say this in verse 7. He says, but you ask, how are we to return? <laughs> See, basically, that's kind of cool. I like that because the people are not hard-hearted. They're just, they've not shut God totally out. They're still going to church. They're listening to the, the singing the songs and doing the sermons. But, and they want to know how to fix this. And I, that's a good, positive attitude. How shall we return? And then God says this. Now, this is kind of the shocker. He says, will a mere uh, mortal rob God, yet you rob me? I mean, <laughs> you know, if I were to ask you the question, um, would you steal from God? The truth is, you would say, no, no, absolutely. I would never do that. That's crazy. And, but, but then God is explaining here the reason for that. Look there at the rest of verse 8. It says, but you ask, how are we robbing you? in tithes and offerings. Now he says, you are under a curse. Those three words are important, under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Underline the word storehouse. I'm going to come back to that also. 
that there may be food in my house. That's another one I want you to underline, another important term there. And then he says, test me in this. Put triple underlines into that one, circle stars and all kinds of things pointing to it, all right? That's what I do. Get the highlighters out, take pictures of it, make it. Okay, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not even be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed and yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, I had you underline a few key words, words that were spoken by the unchanging God. One is the, 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 the terms storehouse and my house. Now I want to talk about that first of all. What is that? Well, that's actually your local church. You see, the storehouse is where you and others within a particular community receive ministry of the Word of God and ministry with the family of God, okay? So that's the local church. That would be like City Life Center. My house refers to the place where people come together for worship. So God says this is a decree that was continually being violated. Okay, now, that really takes us to the next one is a decree. What in the world is a decree? It means this. A decree, or decrees are ordinances or principles of ordinary behavior. That's really good that those last four words, principles of ordinary behavior. For example, a principle of ordinary behavior for me is I get up in the morning and I drink my bulletproof coffee. And therefore, I'm ready to go, all right? But... These are principles of ordinary behavior, and this is a really, really clear passage because ultimately what it says is if I tithe, I'm blessed, and if I don't tithe, I'm under a curse. Now, God didn't say he's going to curse you. Don't, don't get me wrong here. God doesn't curse you. He says you are under a curse. In other words, you're voluntarily placing yourself under a curse. But, you see, our cooperation with God to not put our lives under a curse is to give him that first 10%, which is called the tithe. And uh, that is, that may be the question again, what is tithe? Well, tithe is a tenth. That word, that's what the word means. Tithe means tenth, 10%. Now, honestly, um, <clears throat> I'll just be honest with you, when preparing this message, I thought, God, people, I, I know there'll be some people who think, all you care about is money, and, and uh, you're just preaching this so that you can get rich, and and get yourself a better car or something. And, and, uh, and I'll, I also said, but God, God, you know, you know that I just want to help people in every area of your li their lives. I, I care about people. I love them. But also, God, I know that some people might get angry and they might want to start arguments and, and then people are going to write me long emails and they'll have to read them, which is exhausting for me. And, 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 and I'm thinking this. I'm, I'm talking to God. I'm just talking to God. God, I know there are some people who say, man, I've only been going to this church for six months, and I don't even know whether I can trust this preacher or this church. I don't know. You know what is this, a church with a coffee shop? What, what, what kind of church is this? And so, so I said, this is in the middle of my preparation. I said, God, can I just, I just want to preach on love. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. And and I, I promise you, it's like I heard God say, I don't know whether God's spoken or not, but I felt this really clear i felt this it's like well great then preach about people preach to the people about how much i love them and how much i want to bless them and how much i want them to know the principles of multiplication just like you love your own sons Whew. okay <laughs> so we're here and um 
I guess it really comes down to this. Does God's word work or not? Does God, does our wisdom trump the wisdom of God? Here's what's amazing, though, is, is in this passage of Scripture, it's the only place you can find it in the Bible where it says that we should test God. Test me in this, he says. It says, test me in this to see if I'll be faithful to get you out from under a curse. Which then kind of leads to the next question, well, what in the world is a curse? Well, a curse is basically a consequence of wrong behavior. Uh, we, we quite often think of a curse as being like some evil spell that you, know, you, that, that you see like in a horror movie or something like that. But no, no, that's not it. It's just a consequence of a wrong behavior. That's what the word curse means. And so we, we get our definitions a little twisted up here sometimes. And, but, but I know some of you have been around church for a while. You might say, well, I know the scriptures and it says that Jesus bore the curse uh, on the cross so that, so that uh, I wouldn't have to be under the curse. Well, that's true. Absolutely. And also, Jesus bore all sin on the cross. So let me ask you just a question of logic. Has anyone in this room sinned since you requested Jesus to come into your life? <laughs> yes. If you've never sinned, please stand now, and we'll begin to know that the Messiah has arrived. Okay. <laughs> We've all sinned, you know? We all have. But still, when we sin, we need to repent of that sin. Otherwise, if we keep walking in that sin, there are going to be some consequences. Consequences. That's what curse means. See, another argument, people will say, well, well tithing was under the law. If you've been around church for a while, you would kind of know what that means. And, and say, well, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. And, and like, yes, I am as well, and thank God for that. In fact, I, have a, oh, I can't wait to share next week's message about God's grace. But I just want to ask you a question. So are you saying that if it was wrong under the law, then it's right to do now? Like, thou shalt not kill? Okay, well, that's in the law, right? Do you think you can go kill someone and there aren't going to be consequences or a curse come on your life for that? Of course. See, our sins, though, can be forgiven, but the consequences are based upon how we live. That's just how the world works. And plus, we have to understand this, is that tithing was in place way before the law. And it was actually in place after it as well. Basically, again, it is an ordinary principle of God's word. Still, I think a lot of people don't tithe because they say, well, it's not biblical or it's just Old Testament. But I want to just show you a few verses on tithing to help you understand that it is biblical. I'm not going to take the time to read every one of them. Uh, I just don't have the, the seconds on the clock. I, I timed this. And so, but I encourage you to study these for yourselves, access them, uh, and, and, and get into them. Here, but first of all, the first one is Genesis chapter 14, 18 through 20. This is scripturally where tithing began, where it began with Abraham, where he gave a tenth or a tithe of all, 500 years before the law. And then there's Genesis 22, excuse me, 28, 22, which is Jacob. And that's when Jacob committed the tithe, the tenth to God's house. This was 400 years before the law. Then into Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, we see that, that God says that the tithe is, is holy to God. So it's something that's supposed to be set apart for the house of God. We also see in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1, that we are to give our first fruits to the house of God. They're referring to the local church. Deuteronomy 26, 13, it says that the tithe is sacred, 
regardless of your financial situation. And, and it's, it's really all through, all through the scriptures that we see it's just really a simply an ordinary principle of God's people. Into the New Testament, we see this in the book of Matthew, uh, verse t- chapter 23, verse 23, where Jesus was talking to the Pharisees about their tithing. And, and, and Jesus had a problem with them because they weren't being merciful to people and, and they were not administering justice to the hurting. So Jesus said, hey, I want you to do something that's most important and that's to help people and give justice to people. But don't still don't neglect your tithing. That's what he said. That's Jesus. That's God. <laughs> God doesn't change, Old Testament or New Testament. Remember, remember this. God, in his love, said in Malachi, you're robbing me and you're under a curse. And, and God's saying, I don't, I don't want you to be under a curse. In fact, God says, I want to open up the windows of heaven over you and over your life and your business, and I really want to rebuke Satan on your behalf, but it's up to you whether I'm freed up to do that or not. That's what God's saying. And then we see in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, it talks again about Abraham's tithing back at the beginning of the Bible to be our example. In fact, I love that scripture because it's, it's really cool because it says that when I put my tenth or my tithe in the box or the basket, the giving kiosk or through the app or whatever, it, it says something interesting. It says that people who die, mortals, or in our case, the ladies who are the stewardship team, if you're a part of one of the ladies who's on the stewardship team, raise your hand up really high yes, so we can know. They're the ones who carry the money with a police officer on their side. <laughs> they take it out. It says, even though we put it in a box and mortals take it out, Jesus is actually the one who receives it. Isn't that cool? So tithing is in the New and the Old Testament alike. So here's another one of the major principles, though. It's how does tithing impact? Well, truth is, tithing is a blessing. In 2 Chronicles, there's a story of this King Hezekiah, and he was initiating all of these reforms. I mean, he was a, he was a reforming king. And, and so he starts off by doing something really novel. He found the Bible. <laughs> I guess it hadn't been read in a long time. Really, it hadn't been. He finds this Bible and says, well, hey, let's start reading this. I I think there might be something here for us. And so he realizes then that a lot of the things that they were doing were actually violating what was in the Bible. And so he's reading along through the scriptures and then he sees tithing. And he realizes that they are in this economic recession, the whole nation. He reads this part where, where it says, you're under a curse, the whole nation. And Hezekiah says, hey, we're under a curse because we're not tithing. So what he does is he puts out a command that everyone bring their 10%, their tithe to the house of God, to the storehouse. Then in 2 Chronicles 3, 31, 4, he says that this all needs to happen because the spiritual leaders need to be able to dedicate themselves to studying, preaching, and implementing what's in the scriptures. Now remember this, Malachi said, bring my tithe into the storehouse that they may be food in my house. God says it's his tithe. It's not ours anyway. So think about this. When we come to church, what are we receiving here? Well, the truth is it's spiritual food, right? And we enjoy it. At least I hope you do. Um, I enjoy preparing it. But I want to ask you a question. Do you like the food at City Life? Do you like what's, what's served? Well, the truth is, is that Someone, though, is paying for it. Now, now when I say food, really it's more broad than just the message itself. 
It's everything that we have. It's our podcasts. I mean, now we have anywhere from 350 to 650 downloads each month. Um, people in China, Russia, <laughs> Iceland are <laughs> listening to us online. Um, it's our serving through Compassionate Fort Worth, which I had the pleasure to do through the mayor's office. Serving the homeless among us. It's Five Stone Church Planting. It's Read to Win. It's Shady Oak Academy. It's Benevolence. It's Chi Alpha. It's Five Stone World Missions in India. It's Are You for Children. It's John and Audra Williams in East Africa, just to name a few. The things we enjoy are also our soft, cushy chairs. The air conditioning. Thank God for air conditioning in Texas. <laughs> Children's ministry. Working media systems. 99.9% of the time. Property taxes. I know they say in God we trust on those property tax bills, but I don't feel very godly when they come. All right, just to tell you that. Our online presence. General upkeep. You know, somebody pays for all of this. Now I have a question for you. Would any of you today go to Riata or One Journal or maybe even Subway, Pi Five, and eat a meal and skip out on the check? Well, of course you're not going to. But, but the truth is, it actually happens every week right here. Now, that's okay, though. It is. It's okay. Because that's the way we plan it. Because we will never charge for what we provide. And that's a good thing. It doesn't make for a good business model. We have some really sharp business people in this room. I know you. But providing a free product and service and where people just simply choose whether they're going to give or not and you're going to base it off of that, does that work? Well, no. But it will always be the case here. And we're able to do that because of tithers. And then God blesses them. Talk to anyone who tithes. Now, again, I'm not sharing this message to try to get you to give to a budget. Not at all. I'm sharing this because I really want God's best for you like I do every single Sunday when I share this. See, Hezekiah had the same concern for his people uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verses 5 through 10. Uh, he says, it was uh, four months after the people started tithing, he said, hey, now I want you to remember. Remember that there was an economic recession, but now there's this superabundance like we haven't seen in our lifetimes. You see, what happened there is God broke their recession, blessed their harvest because they blessed God's house and God's work, and it was taken care of first. See, what God is really looking for, it's the heart of generosity and not the dollar amount. In fact, I love the fact that Jesus honored the widow who dropped in two pennies in the offering because of the faith that it took in her to do that. Then you guys, tithing simply works. God multiplies through our hands because what's in our hands is blessed when we tithe and when there's order established and then when we let go of it. In fact, there's one person in this church, not in this service, he'll definitely be in the next, though, whose consistent giving goes back the farthest in this church. Consistent giving. We know him as Jack. We reserve a seat for Jack every Sunday. Jack's an orphan thrown out on the streets of this city about 12 years ago with severe autism. Jack has no birth certificate, and we have a lot of trouble trying to get one. 
Jack didn't come to City Life asking for a handout. He came for spiritual food. And God rescued his spirit right here. And now Jack has a family. <laughs> you guys provide groceries for him and put a roof over his head. You guys meet his special needs and you guys treat him to dinner and a movie sometimes. You guys throw birthday parties for Jack. And is it because Jack tithes? No, it's not. Jack gives generously. Jack can't tithe. He doesn't get a paycheck. But he gives consistently and generously, and there have been a few times he had nothing to give, and with tears in his eyes, he's brought me an IOU with a one and about five zeros after it, saying, I'm going to give this someday. See, he just has the blessing of God. Um, sometimes... In fact, just last week he told me how guilty he felt when I was at the grocery store with him for having so much food in his basket when other homeless people in the community don't have what he has. But he is a blessed man and God has blessed him. And I'll be honest with you, he is the wealthiest man and the most generous man that I know because then he takes what we give to him and then he shares it with others. Um, some of you may have come here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And... Uh, Maybe you've drifted from God and you're not serving Him. And you know that you need to make that choice to give your life to Jesus. To ask Him to forgive your sins and to give you that new start. God's in the business of giving fresh starts and He wants to do it right now. Would you just look internally and Listen to your heart. Because if you'd like to be included in this closing prayer and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'm just going to simply count to three and you can lift your hand. Because faith is responding outwardly to what we feel stirring inwardly. Hey, Jesus loves you more than you know, more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you can have life everything changes today. If you want to be included in this prayer, please lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift it high so I can see it. Lift it so I can see it. And that way I can connect my faith with yours. We'll pray together. Great. Let's pray. Pray together. Pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Come on, believers, pray this with me as well as those who lifted your hand. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future you have for me. While you're remaining standing, I'd like to pray for those who are going through tough financial times. I'm going to pray for you now. Ends aren't meeting, things aren't connecting. Maybe you're out of a job right now and you need a miracle. You need wisdom. I'm just going to pray for you right now. Would you just open up to our God and receive this prayer right now? Jesus, I pray for every person in this room who's walking through a financial challenge. Whether it's their business, whether it's their personal affairs, God, I pray for you to be their provider in Jesus' name name. God, I pray for 
every person who's in need right now of, of a strategy or a plan, God, that you will just download those things to us right here in this atmosphere, God. God, for those who are without jobs, they need income. God, I pray for job openings and, and, and I pray for favor. God, for those who need raises, I pray for those raises to come through in Jesus' name. God, because we know that you're the God who cares about us and you want to supply our needs. And so we look to you because you're our provider. You're the God who multiplies and you're the God who loves. So we lean into you and God, I ask for miracles today. In fact, God, I ask that miracles even begin to happen this week as a result of this prayer and this time together right now in Jesus' name. Amen. City Life is able to continue making Jesus known through the consistent investments of many. If you would like to invest financially into the vision, you can do so at citylifecenter.org. Simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.